the Hillbilly Horror Show. Go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com. If you want to check out more about me, you can go to the official Gruesome Herzog Facebook page, to Twitter, The Gru Herzog, or go ahead and go to the Podcast Garden and look up Gruesome Herzog Podcast. Or if you're a big fan of uh, iTunes, you can go there, Stitcher, or any format that carries podcasts. And don't forget, you can find me on Podbean as well. Definitely check it out. Give me your feedback. And thanks again for your support. The Man and Scythe t-shirts are stored in an upstairs closet of the world's most haunted pub, The Man and Scythe, in Bolton, United Kingdom. Each t-shirt is kept in the closet for at least 48 hours to thoroughly soak up the spirits in the pub. These shirts are black with the words, The Man and Scythe with a Grim Reaper. If you want one of these shirts right now, you get a 20% discount. That's right, 20% discount. Use code GRUESOME at checkout for your discount. Get yours today. Go to www.hauntedtshirts.com. My very special guest today is actor, writer, producer, director, Glenn Bergowitz. He's responsible for some great films called The Ghost of Johnson's Woods and Auto Shop of Horrors, and he has much, much more to talk about. Glenn Bergowitz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I've seen quite a few films of yours, and I think you are one of the most outrageous, entertaining, uh, intelligent filmmakers that doesn't give a shit. Your idea is make a film, let's get it done, and then now you're starting to get into that, uh, not that you weren't serious before, but now you're getting into the experiences you have now, and that you're starting to make some pretty decent quality films, two of them. Uh, that I've seen, Auto Shop of Horrors and The Ghost of Johnson's Woods. Ghost of Johnson's Woods, to me, is one of your stepping stones into your film career as a director that really shows experience that you've learned is starting to pay off with the talent that you're using. Yeah, and I was especially fortunate with The Ghost of Johnson Woods to get have a really talented cast in place. There are actually only four cast members, but... Uh, I was able to get Joe Bob Briggs from Monster Vision fame uh, to be our headliner. And then I had Hayden Harvey, who's done a bunch of Hollywood independent films. Uh, Matt Goosehurst, who was this, one of the stars of the Midget Zombie Takeover that we did yeah. a few years ago, and he's super talented. And Kasha Fawcett. And when, when I have cast members like that, they make me look a lot more talented than I really am. <laughs> I, I had to tell them very little. As far as the directing of the film, they just they just threw themselves into the film and into their characters, and they were so easy to work with, and they did such a fantastic job. And yeah, it's it looks like it's paying off. We're getting really good reviews for the film, and hopefully, it'll be a nice stepping stone for later this year when we release our horror film, Paralyzed with Fear, that stars Kane Hodder from Friday the Thirteenth thing. Nice. Yeah, you, you you mentioned something that that you're you're being a little bit. Um what word can I use when you mentioned about the actors are making you look good. Um, if anybody who doesn't know Glenn Bergowitz, he does, uh, he has a, you guys got to see the auto shop of horrors. Cause then you're going to see a character that is so off the wall and so crazy fun and funny that you, 
don't cut yourself short because it's not just the actors. The actors are, are very important for a film, especially good acting. But you have to have the talent also to work with them and make it work. So, But Johnson's Woods, I thought, was a really different, unique film, which we'll go into a little bit later. But there are a bunch of films that you started back in the day. When I say back in the day, it's like 2010. Um, I do have links to To Die Is Hard. I have I have to watch yet. And Evil Intent, the worst movie ever. The worst movie ever tells the person right away, you would hope, that when they go into watching this film, uh, they have to understand filmmaking and budgets. Am I correct, Glenn? <laughs> yeah, we did shoot the film over the span of one weekend, and they're actually pretty short days. I had... Uh, budgeted from about 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day on that weekend to shoot. And we shot from 8 a.m. to about 2.30 in the afternoon each day. And it was actually very liberating making the worst movie ever because <laughs> we, we would get one or two takes. I'm like, well, that looked good to my naked eye. And I turned to Eric Lassie, the director of photography. How did it look to you? Well, it was okay. All right, let's move on. That's fine. And, and then, then when we got the footage to Alan Day Green, who edited it, uh, I told him, I said, Alan, use the worst takes you possibly can in there, okay? If so, if the blocking is off, if someone's head gets cut off, throw those in there. And Alan put some, own, some of his own little twists in the edit as well. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it may be the worst movie ever, but it's the best sci-fi, action, drama, horror, comedy, musical you've ever seen. I just poured the worst of every genre I could into that film, and... It actually seems to work. We got great reviews for it. Uh, it was selected by examiner.com as one of the 10 best independent features of 2011 when we released it. And so we were serious about making a bad film. And right, it actually right. turned, out, turned out pretty good. We were happy with it. Well, <laughs> the one that I get a kick out of, and I've seen a lot of no-budget films that, you know, when the average Joe Schmo is going to watch this film, is because, oh, that is fucking garbage. Oh, because th these are the ones that go to Redbox, or these are the ones that watch all the uh, high-end budget movies that most horrors that are high-budget suck. Let's be honest. They, they, they want to they cut the corners. They don't want to make it too gross because da-da-da-da. But the one that really got me, I think, <laughs> was the Midget Zombie Takeover. Now, uh, I love zombie films, okay? But what makes this film so close to my heart is it's so bad that it's good. Does that make sense to you? Uh, you can tell that it, you can tell that it was a lot of. Uh, uh, you can tell there wasn't much of a budget, okay? And that dictates by the way it, you watch this film. But let me tell you something, Glenn. For a, for a film reviewer like myself, and an actor and a voice actor in independent film, I've done plenty of films that have no budget at all. Okay, now of course the ones that was a little bit different than your film, the zombie film, but how can anyone not love a film like that? It's just, a, that's one of my films that I think is good therapy for people having a bad day. Well, you know, with Midget Zombie Takeover, we did get a, a fairly decent theatrical release for it. It ended up screening in a dozen theaters around the U.S. And when it made its way to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, it was, we got the, their film critics to review it. Yeah. And he's on Rotten Tomatoes and has a long history. And, oh, my gosh, he, he said it 
he thought it was a joke to see how bad a film could possibly get into a theater, that it may have been the worst <laughs> film he had ever seen in his life. <laughs> you know what? So not but, everyone liked it. <laughs> now, hold on a minute. For him to work in a, a place like that, and for him to make that statement, that's the worst movie he's ever seen, you are a fucking moron. Anybody yeah. who says that makes no damn sense, because no one has ever seen every damn film ever made. So shut the fuck up. You're an idiot. I hate when people say that. We have reviewers on IMDb that say that. This is the worst movie I have ever seen. You can't see every damn movie ever made. Sorry. That's my rant for the day. That is so stupid when people say that. Come on. It, it is what it is. You know, Glenn? The reviews with Midget Zombie were pretty much one extreme or the other. It was... And it was almost 50-50. And half the reviewers thought it was just fantastic fun, and the other half just thought it was a steaming pile. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you know. They're just missing out. You know, they don't get it. That's, that's the people that don't understand anything about independent film. It's just the bottom line. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, Glenn, I can say this numerous times over the last seven years of reviewing films. A movie is someone's baby. It is. I mean, if you only have certain things to make a film and you want to make a film and if it takes you a year to make a decent film or a subpar film but the accomplishment is that you started and you completed it i mean it is it's it's a it's a, a remarkable thing to even start a film and to get it finished you know it's just bravo to you because you've done something and you've gotten it done you know, people who want to bash on films like this here basically have no idea what filmmaking even is. They really don't. They don't understand what it takes to make a film. They don't understand the behind the scenes. They don't understand what actors have to do and the directors have to do. You know, it takes time. It, it can take you an hour or two hours to get one shot because the, the, the lighting could be fucked up or something, you know, if it's an outside scene. Or the weather might. It might start raining and you don't want a rainy scene. So now you have to cancel it to another day or whatever. They don't understand how long it can take to make a film. Yeah, and with uh, Ghost of Johnson Woods, we've gotten across the board fantastic reviews for it, except for one person. And one, part of the subplot of the Ghost of Johnson Woods is that two of the main characters are trying to make their own film, but they, they don't know how to go about it. They're shooting a film on their camp, on their cell phone. Right. And they're just stumbling their way through trying to make a film. And this critic said that no one can be that clueless about how to make a, a feature film. And I thought, no, that's that's how people work. Most people have no idea how to make a feature oh, film boy. and all the minutiae that goes into it. And oh. so I thought, well, so it goes. <laughs> what world is he from? I mean, for prime example, I work at a Walmart, okay? And I just got promoted to support manager, okay? Um <laughs> They knew when I started there two years ago, they found that I'm an actor, okay, in film. Okay, Walmart actually sells the Hillbilly Horror Show, which that's uh, getting some uh, real claim to fame lately. It's been all over the world. It's now in India. It's in the uh, Middle East. I mean, it's being seen by a lot of people, okay? But they think because I'm in a movie that Walmart sells, what's the first thing they say to me, Glenn? Why are you working here? They don't understand the film industry. They think because you're in a film, you should be rich and you should be living a high life. It doesn't work that way. So for anybody to say to submit a comment, well, people can't be that dumb on how to make a movie a full feature. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
So, oh, and I've uh, known people who have just used their cell phone and recorded stuff and edited it together, and that was their film. That, yes. It can be done that way. <laughs> it can be done that way, but not everybody understands the angles or or it. It's that's just a blatant stupid comment. But anyways, I'm just rambling on. But a film that I what really brought me to you is you asked me to uh, review Auto Shop of Horrors. It seems so long ago, but it actually wasn't. It was like maybe, what, six months ago, but it seems longer. Yeah, that's where I got the taste of the Glenn Bergowitz world. Uh, when I watch this film, I've, like I said before, people who go into watching this film really has to understand what they are watching. The quality is superb. Um, there are some mistakes, obviously, because it's not, you don't have a $50,000 budget for a film, but... You have the talent, and you have the story, and you have the characters that carries that film no matter what, that I thought, wow, Glenn, this is the guy that I've been looking for for a long time that I haven't seen in a while, that makes a creative film, does it, gets it finished, and puts an entertaining product that isn't an Academy Award film, but then again, what film is, and is entertaining as hell. And not to mention, you throw in a music video in there as well, which I thought that really topped the whole movie, is you have a soundtrack within a movie with these the girl band, right? Am I correct? But Yep, Over the Castle. They did a yep. great job with the song. Great song. Open just up ahead. 
some of their music if it's available because they're a very talented band um, mm-hmm. but you're watching the, an auto mechanic now how many horror movies does, is it based off of an auto mechanic like yours not very many so I'm watching this and I'm thinking eyeballs this guy is so fucking creepy or is it actually the real Glenn Burger which we're watching here <laughs> yeah, talking, to, talking to you over the past couple times I'm thinking damn he sounds damn close to his personality, but maybe not be killing people eating their eyeballs. But the character that you played in this film is very similar to how you are in real life. Obviously, not a killer, but I think that was easy for you. Was it easy for you to play that character? Yeah, because uh, Tim Gallagher and I wrote the script together and directed it together, and then Tim edited it. And uh, but I, I, I did the first draft, and I knew I was going to be playing the lead role of Randy. So I thought, well. I'll make this a, a comfortable role for me uh, where, yeah, it is. Steve, Randy is, is similar to me in many ways. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a serial killer like Randy, but uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we wrote the whole film to fit what we had at our disposal. Tim is good friends with John Manka and John Manka owns one stop tire and auto in Castle Rock, Colorado, where we shot the film. And John was all on board for opening up his shop on the weekend so we could shoot there, which we did over the course of a couple weekends. 
And so, yeah, it's like, well, we have an auto shop at our disposal where we can shoot for free. I guess we need to have a car mechanic as the main character. And where do we go from there you know, in making a fun horror film? Auto Shop of Horrors is a film that, you know, I got the link from you. And, and uh, I think it was, it was. And, but I watched it again about three weeks ago. Um, it just, I like a film that, you know, it's not trying to be this serious, um, well, the storyline is supposed to be serious. It's a killer. But it's a film that you can just sink your teeth in and just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for the way it is. It's an auto mechanic that has this fetish about eyeballs. And you've got these poor little victims that come into your, your uh, shop and, you know, they seek demise. But it's, and then you have the, the detective coming in there. and I mean, it's a clever, fun little gem. I've said that before in the review. It's just an entertaining film. So, people, movie reviewers, horror fans, if you haven't had a chance, look for an auto shop of horrors and make sure that you watch it. And just remember, folks, don't go into it thinking that you're watching a, a Tom Cruise over-the-top budget film because it's not like that. But this is a movie that shows heart of the cast in the heart of the filmmaker of putting a product out there that it's a fun little uh, movie to watch. So Glenn, I want to say again, thank you very much for the opportunity to watch the Auto Shop of Horrors because it's a film that is the reason why I started this business back in 2010 is films just like yours. Well, thanks. And, you know, a couple things there. Uh, the film will soon be available on the 24-Hour Movie Channel, which is a Roku network, and it's free to watch films on the 24-Hour Movie Channel. They just uh, intersperse some commercials here and there. And, you know, getting to your point about you know, a Tom Cruise-type movie, uh, you know, this, the characters in The Ghost of Johnson Woods talk about it, and I do speaking engagements. And whenever I go to a film festival or, or talk to a film group, I always tell them, you're not making a Hollywood film. You don't have Tom Cruise. Okay, you don't have A-list stars. You have anywhere from 1000 to, if you're lucky, $10,000 at your disposal. Know what you're making. You're going to make a film to entertain people. Okay, you're not going to win Academy Awards. You're not going to be lauded as the next, you know, Francis Ford Coppola or anything. Make a film that entertains people. And that's all there is to it. That's all it is to it. That's all it is. You show some blood. The horror fans, the underground horror fans, or however, are big in horror films. I'm a big horror fan. I'm sure you are, too, or else you wouldn't be making one. So you have that little bit of the 80s throwback in your film. Not a lot, but, you ha but people who watch Auto Shop of Horrors is going to think, oh, man, this is an American film, but it's pretty damn close to some of these old Italian films or French films from the 80s. Like Zombie Lake, you know, an 81 classic that I love and everybody hates. But it's so bad, so cheesy, that I fucking love it. And that's you can see that there's a little bit of 80s coming out of your brain when you wrote this storyline. Because it, it has an 80 flares to it. Well, the first horror film we did was Evil Intent, which is, gosh, eight years ago now or so we shot Evil Intent. And that's what a number of the critics said when we released it was that it has like that 1970s or 80s horror feel to it. 
And yeah, I, I always take that as a compliment because well, those were the films I grew up watching as a kid. Yep. That's exactly right. And that, that's a major compliment. And you know, people say to me all the time, they'll say, "That's cheesy." Oh uh, well, cheesy might be bad to you, but cheesy is awesome for me because I love <laughs> the '80s cheese. I do because I grew up on that stuff, and I cannot get enough of it. I don't care how stupid it is, but I love '80s films. It, you know, I love films today that have that 80s cheese feel. See, here's people don't understand. There was low-budget films back in the 80s, just like the films that you and myself and whoever else has acted in. There's a bunch of them that really are low-budget, that are cult icons. Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in 74 had a very, very limited budget. Tobe Hooper had to scrape and scrape to get that film made. And what, what is it today? It's an icon classic. Friday the 13th of 1980 was a film that really didn't have much of a budget, but look at it now. It's a cult classic. So who knows if Auto Shop of Horrors might be an underground cult classic 20 years from now. No one knows. It's based off of people who watch it and love it. That's what it boils down to. It's a taste. You never know, Glenn. You could have a cult classic 25 years from now. We can know. only hope. <laughs> it'll, it'll pay for my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on a rant forever about that. Now, we talked briefly about the ghosts of Johnson's Woods. Ghost of Johnson's Woods has a intriguing storyline. You have a heavy set character actor in this film that not a lot of filmmakers might not even think about going that way. But to you, I credit you because the actor that you got for this film is an incredible, talented young man that did anything possible to make this film work. And I can remember a scene in this movie that really, I shook my head and I'm thinking, wow, the dancing thing that he wanted to do. I thought that was the most clever storyline to go with his story. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to ruin it for people who did not see it. But you have this girl, uh, the neighbor girl, who is, a, is very snooty, very self-absorbed, very self-centered, and I'm pretty and... The attitude is, you touch me, I cry rape. Not 
per se, but that's the, the, the persona that I'm getting from just watching this character. Well, they decide to, uh, he wants to make a film. So she is the star of this film over by using a phone. Trust me. Have you seen any films lately with phones? Yes, there are a bunch of them. So the story basically here is you have the, the odd couple, I call it. You have uh, um, them making a film. But it is the Ghosts of Johnson's Woods. Now, there is a twist in this film, folks. And I'm not going to go any detail. But you must watch this film. Because you're not going to know what's going to... It's going to hit you right in the face. And you're not going to see it coming. I'm glad I'm telling you something. This film, like I mentioned... It, Auto Shop of Horrors was phenomenal, but The Ghost of Johnson's Woods, I know it was shot, was it shot before Auto Shop of Horrors? Yes, it actually was. And that's the part that's really strange when I say this. But two different story, story, two different stories here, obviously, but then when you watch, I, I watch Auto Shop of Horrors first, and then I went back and then you sent me a link to Ghost of Johnson's Woods. So I'm getting a taste of the zany Glenn and now I'm getting a Glenn behind the camera as the director. And so basically, Ghost of Johnson's Woods is the first film that I've actually watched that you were not in, that you strictly was the director. Uh, this film here shows me, like you mentioned earlier about how your stars make you look good. No, Glenn, you acted in one and you directed this one. You have the ability to, to do both, both, excuse me, don't cut yourself short. Because The Ghost of Johnson's Woods, I thought, was an unbelievable film that you would think that it has like a $50,000 budget. And I'm not bullshitting you. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. This film you, you made here, it can go places. It really can. It really can. Because, the, again, the ending was an amazing. You have an amazing cast. You have Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, not only that, but you have a family unit that the father is... I don't know, an absent father, a uh, him and his girlfriends that he did not like. But you have a big guy playing a character. I'm telling you something, Glenn. This is a, a one of the amazing films that I've seen last year that really showed the talent that you are behind the camera. Oh, well, thanks. And, you know, to, to talk about uh, Matt Goosehurst, a heavyset guy who plays Lenny, Goose just threw himself into that role. He was up for anything, which uh, made made the film interesting. That anytime I said, "Hey, Goose, would you mind doing this?" All right, I'll do it. Like awesome. And then, of course, his foil, Hayden Harvey. You know, Hayden's acted in so many films at this point. She's such a pro, and she's in our films, the worst movie ever, and To Die Is Hard. She's been in a bunch of our films, and Hayden's always great to work with. And yeah, Hayden really pulled it off. That. You know, she's playing this you know, really pretty high school girl who, you know, she's kind of a tool, but she's also kind of likable. She somehow she was able to bring a, a certain likableness to the character, vulnerability to her. And yeah, I, Goose and Hayden really played off each other really well. And you mentioned that uh, they were pretty close uh, filming this, correct? Oh, yeah. My gosh, they had so much fun and. Uh, you know, just the one scene, uh, Hayden was supposed to come down the stairs and turn a corner and Goose was, let's see, Goose was supposed to be in front of her and then Hayden coming behind and it was a pretty serious scene and I call out action 
and here comes Goose running down the stairs with Hayden on his back, and they came barreling into the room and you know just practicing. <laughs> and they had so much fun; they they really bonded on set, and they were always joking around and having a good time. And and that's part of what I love about making films is that. And unfortunately, most of our films are shot over the course of two to four days. But still, in that short amount of time, we become a little family and get to know each other. And yeah, I I can't imagine how awesome it would be to, you know, have a Hollywood film with a big budget and a four-month shoot that, my gosh, that would just seem like this huge, awesome, extended family all of a sudden. But yeah, yeah, we, we got a real family atmosphere on set with the Ghosts of Johnson Woods. Well, people, if you haven't, you heard us, it's going to be on the uh, Roku channel, am I correct? Yeah, the 24-hour movie channel has just acquired basically our whole catalog of films. So Auto Shop of Horrors and The Ghosts of Johnson Woods will both be available in another month or two. And they they also have just acquired our new drama, Love, Sex, Hate, which is the only drama we've ever done. And then they also already have To Die is Hard, Evil Intent, the worst movie ever, therapists and separate checks, and Midget yeah. Zombie Takeover. So yeah, they have a whole catalog of films that people can watch for free on the 24-hour movie channel. That's awesome, Glenn. That's awesome. That's just going to build a resume. I mean, you already have a resume now. You have a new film that you mentioned earlier called Paralyzed with Fear. Uh, it stars Kane Hodder, and Hayden Harvey, uh, Andrea Rabold, Maya Grace. Uh, Laura Von English, Will Beckingham, Daniel Prell, Danielle Prell, uh, Tim Fegan, and Kasha Fawcett, and Joe Maurer. Uh, mm-hmm. What's this film about? What is this film about? Well, Kane Hodder from Friday the 13th fame, he played Jason Voorhees and more times than anyone else. Well, he is a, a 15th century demon who has been accidentally unleashed on this house full of women. And he is basically uh, terrorizing their lives. And it's certainly not, it's a straightforward horror film. There's no comedy in it. And uh, it, it kind of revolves, it's called Paralyzed with Fear, because one of the main women, played by Andrea Raybould, uh, her character is paralyzed from a car accident. And so much of the film revolves around her being unable to defend herself from this demon. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> wow. You know, that's, uh, I would love to see this one. Now, is that available for uh, any viewers to review or not quite? Not yet. Uh, we, we shot it about a year and a half ago, uh, and, and Tim Gallagher is editing it, but we wanted to get Auto Shop of Horrors finished first, and Tim edited that. So uh, Paralyzed with Fear got put on the shelf for a while while we finished up Auto Shop of Horrors, and now Tim is back uh, full bore editing paralyzed with fear. So we're hoping to have it ready for Halloween season this fall. Now, and, is, there a tra- is there a trailer coming yet? Oh, not yet. So, uh, yeah, we had typically, you know, we, a lot of times we just have one camera and uh, do a couple takes, but with this one, since we had Kane hotter, uh, we had three cameras and, uh, we did that as well for paralyzed or ghosts of Johnson Wood, the three camera shoot. We had good cameras, uh, and yeah, when we shot Auto Shop of Horrors, we just used one camera, and Tim was the director of photography, so he was kind of editing it in his head as we went along, getting the shots he wanted. Uh, but with uh, Paralyzed with Fear, Eric Lassie was our director of photography, and we had three cameras, and we would do some extra takes, so we had so much more footage to go through. So the edit's going to take a wee bit of time, 
not sure exactly when we might have a trailer ready, uh, but we're certainly hoping to have the, the feature version of it ready for Halloween. Nice. Now, you also have something coming out. Um, it's called Badass Exploitation. That's a uh, anthology, correct? Oh, I, yeah, I contributed uh, about a you know, three-and-a-half-minute short film to that. Yeah, that's a, a black exploitation anthology being put together uh, by producer Tony Newton, and I believe Shane Ryan is helping him with that. And they're actually still, they said uh, they want every short film, they could be anywhere from basically a minute to ten minutes long, to tie in with basically the 70s black exploitation motif. And so we made a really uh, fun one, uh, which I really like it. And I've screened it for just a few people, and they've enjoyed it. Uh, but the producers have told me that they still need to get more uh, black exploitation shorts to fill out an entire feature film. That uh, They've gotten a lot in, but not enough for a full feature. So, yeah, anyone out there, any filmmakers who might want to make a, a short black exploitation film, uh, I guess you can contact me through Facebook, and I can get them in touch with Tony Newton and Shane Ryan and maybe get the feature version all filled out and ready for release either later this year or in 2018. Nice. And the one that we talked about off the phone, off the line, that I'm very interested in is Ted Bundy had a son in 2018. Now, I'm not go, I don't want to go into too much detail about this. We'll just keep it hush-hush. But this is something that I think that uh, will be very interesting to watch because it is about Ted Bundy having a son. I think it's a clever title. I think it's going to be a clever idea, and I'm really psyched to uh, check this out in the future. Yeah, I contributed a, a segment to that, and yeah, it will be an interesting film uh, to see the completed version of it. That Producer Shane Ryan seems to have a very unique approach to how he's going to put this film together so it, it should be i would think an exceedingly interesting film once it's ready to go nice is there anything else that you want to talk about that i have not mentioned well, well we're going to be shooting here before too much longer a comedy called poetry slam we have our, our first rehearsal coming up in a few weeks and so we got that all ready to go to shoot here in fort wayne indiana in a couple months and other than that, we just keep plugging away, writing scripts, making films, and hopefully something good happens. Well, you know, Glenn, I am very honored to have you on today. We've tried it a long time ago, and I had inter uh, problems with the recorder. This is my first interview since February of last year, so uh, thanks for coming on. You have great, great, great films that people need to see. All the Shop of Horrors, uh, The Ghost of Johnson's Woods, anything that you have. Go to the Roku channel, 24-hour. Check out some Glenn's his stuff there. He's also, if I'm not mistaken, on that 60 Seconds... 60 Seconds to Die anthologies. <laughs> he's also has some films on there as well. Um, so people, if you haven't heard of Glenn Bergowitz, you heard him now. He's a very talented filmmaker, actor, that really is starting to put out some major quality work that he's going to be a force to reckon with. So, Glenn, I want to give you a big special thanks for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, buddy. Take care. We'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye.